creativity would be, I think, the guiding force behind the purpose of life. And I, I know that sounds, that, that would be my definition. Because um, I, I have ultimately, after 40 years of life, come to the conclusion that the only purpose you have here is to, you know, and this is uh, kind of a butchered quote from Steve Jobs, who I don't necessarily respect as a, or like as a person, but certainly respect the things he did and, and said, some of them. But he said uh, the purpose of life was to create great things and put them back into the path of human consciousness, um, which is a very selfish, selfless thing from a very selfish person. But it's really, it's really true, I, I think. Um, that's really the whole concept of the purpose of life being to reproduce does not exist amongst humans. There are way too many of us. So that's gone, right? Mm-hmm. We could skip a couple of generations, probably still be fine, or maybe a generation or two. So to me, it's just to improve what we have, right? Welcome back to Step Into the Sandbox. I'm your host, David Verhano, and today's guest is John Falco. He's the owner and operator of Lincoln's Beard Brewing Company, as well as two other brew pubs here in South Florida. He's actually a former client of ours, and we actually have been friends for the past five years now, uh, working and collaborating on projects for these different concepts. Uh, But all in all, we've just stayed in connection because we have similar humor, similar taste in creativity, uh, and I think you guys will enjoy his journey from uh, joining the Air Force early on in his life to uh, actually picking up homebrewing as a hobby and then eventually owning and operating these brew pubs and, and uh, breweries here in South Florida. So uh, I hope you guys have some takeaways and enjoy our conversation. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. So usually the way I start this is I give the intro before any of this starts, but I... Uh, I give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, but I start with a few icebreaker questions. So we'll it. go through a few of them. We edit it out if it's that cool. But yeah. the first one I usually start with is, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, shit. I never eat breakfast, dude. Um, I wish there was some kind of epic like self-help book rule for that. Yeah. Other than that, I just never have. I have a cup of coffee with a little bit of half and a half, and that's it, dude. Nice, nice. I never, never eat breakfast. But one thing I want to add to that is nothing to do with that question. It's that... Last time I saw you, you weren't engaged. <laughs> now you are engaged. So I just want a huge congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you to you in person. Even though obviously I congratulated you and and obviously your lovely future bride. Thank you. Assuming she said yes, I guess. I mean, it yeah. would be awkward. I'm just kidding. The first thing uh, she asked was like, "Do my parents know?" <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, yes, yeah." You did. You told her parents before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Went anyway. all the traditional route. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. So all right, let's break more ice, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, during the pandemic, one of the things that I've gotten more into is like a lot of nostalgic like collectibles that, that have had like stored like baseball cards, basketball cards, Pokemon cards, all that stuff. And it just started making me think of all the things people have like collected or saved over the years. Is there anything that you still have or wish that you still had that you collected as a kid? Well, I definitely wish I still had my baseball cards because yeah. um, I'm sure well, – you know, I'm sure they'd be worth some level of money. But the one thing I do have that I collected as a kid, which is I was a little bit of a weird kid, I guess. Um, and I had weird things that I liked. One of those things I liked is actually um, super appropriate today, which is like crystals and shit. I used to really? collect rocks and crystals. But even weirder, I don't have any of those yet uh, left. But I also used to c- collect small pewter figurines mm. small pewter figurines and i still have i think one of them left which is i guess it's supposed to be zeus okay it's like a griffin on his side it's the weirdest fucking thing dude but i kept it just to remind me of like how weird i was as a kid and i still think it's dope yeah by the way. matter of fact i should probably put it at lincoln's beard <laughs> if you had to pick a mascot to identify your life i think people whether it's an animal whether it's uh a figurine <laughs> like you said is there any, you know, like, I would say spirit animal, let's oh, say, dude. that you feel is uh, represents you? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Oh, God, it's a good question. You know, you, you guys, you and, and Philip, when you started working on Lincoln's years ago, um, you asked me a similar question. You're like, what, what animal did you do? And I locked up. Yeah. And I think we ended up with dog or yeah. something. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I, 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 uh, I guess I would, you know, off the cuff. I don't know, maybe some kind of a tree-dwelling monkey. Because <laughs> I feel like they're happy, they jump around, 
but really they most of the time they just want to chill in the tree and not have anyone bother them. Yeah. Um, but whenever they want to, they'll come down, fuck around, and monkey around, you know. So yeah. I guess that'd probably be the closest thing. Also, um, close to normal human intelligence, but slightly lower, which would probably uh, describe me. So that's actually perfect. Yeah. <laughs> monkey. Tree-dwelling monkey species. <laughs> not to be confused with a great ape. They're way too smart and coordinated. So now that we've monkeyed around with some icebreakers, I'll give you the opportunity to describe yourself to someone that has no idea who you are. Yeah, man. Um, Yeah, I would say I am a uh, 40-year-old dude who probably feels like or wants to feel like he's a little younger, or at least acts like it. Um, I don't lie. I'm a super genuine guy. i I very straightforward. I try not to be rude, but sometimes... um, Sometimes uh, being straightforward, I, I can come off the way. But no, I, I, I treat everyone respectfully and, and equally, whether they're cutting my lawn or the president of the United States. So um, that, that I'd say is, uh, really describes my, my mentality. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm a relatively confident guy. Um, constantly on a search to be happy, which sounds a little dark, but it's real. But um, wow, what else? Oh, Backstory, yeah. your parents, where are they from? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Physical description. I'm very handsome, about 6'3", about 215, 4% body <laughs> fat. Those have never met me. Um, <laughs> kind of strike a resemblance to Brad Pitt, but more younger Brad Pitt. Um, but, uh... These cameras work. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can you vote and change my voice? <laughs> no, um... But, uh... Yeah, no, so, uh, come from a, an Italian dad who, uh was very Italian from Queens, New York. He first, uh, first generation, his, his mother was born in, um, actually, no, sorry. His mother was born in America. His father was from uh, a little place called Rotundi, Rotundi, which is just east of Naples. It's kind of, uh, yeah. since no one from Rotundi is probably listening, it's kind yeah. of what I imagine to be a little bit of a redneck town, kind mm-hmm. of east of Naples, Italy. Um, and they came over, uh, landed on the 4th of July on Ellis Island, uh, 1910. So, uh, that's my pops, and, and he uh, he's a very Italian guy, so I kind of grew up in that Italian Italian house. Uh, my mom is a little brown lady. She's uh, she's great, incredibly hard worker. She's Salvadoran, Puerto Rican. She was born in San Salvador, so I like to get, think I, the moderate work ethic I got, I got from her, and she's, she's just an amazing person. Um, uh, pretty much a lifelong hippie, which is awesome. So, and um, I guess the rest of my family is my, my sister, which is uh, a crazy woman. Um, now, I love her to death. We hated each other when we were young, but now we love each other a lot. And then my immediate family, of course, is my loving wife, Michelle, and my two kids, Natalie and Jack, who are eight and five at the time. And uh, little, thank God my daughter's like my, uh, my wife and an angel, but my son is definitely like me. So that's fun. Yeah. He's great too. So yeah, man. So now that we have a little bit more of your backstory, could you tell people a little bit more of the backstory behind your work like how did you get we're sitting here in a new concept where you know you you create you serve craft beer you make pizza uh you got into home brewing at some point um but take us further back to sure you know i guess back to your air force days yeah yeah so that's rocket so um really everything i do is guided by the principle that i have very very little patience and I get very bored. Um, I like to, and we've talked about this in a very, you know, appropriate for the podcast as well. Uh, I like to create things. I like to, you know, and, and um, I can't write music and I'm a terrible artist. So that kind of just leaves uh, bars, I guess. So, um, you know, I, I was a, a decent high school student growing up in Miami, moved to North Carolina uh, for a few years, followed my dad's job, came back to Miami, graduated from Sunset High School. And um, went to FIU, like uh, at the time, probably 40 to 50,000 of my closest friends and commuted, you know, worked, commuted, worked in computers, loved computers. Uh, it did terrible in college. Did good my first semester, then did really, really bad. And I saw a girl in a blue uniform and I'm like, what is that? And she's like, hey, it's the Air Force. Fast forward, graduate college, finally get my shit together, graduate college, go into the Air Force as an intelligence guy. Um, did a bunch of fun stuff in the Air Force as an intelligence guy, uh, mostly working with F-16s and did some weapons development. Spent a little time uh, doing intelligence work for the Army in Iraq. Um, then uh, 
then came back and got a federal government job, which uh, by all accounts on paper and according to my parents was a perfect job, right? Paid way too much like most government jobs um, and uh, had their, the, the, your ability to succeed with very little effort, like most government jobs, was definitely prominent. So, but I, it was not creating anything. There was no beginning or end to anything. It was all just one continuous email chain, basically. And I yeah. fucking loathed it. I hated it. So I just stopped. I quit when I was 36. I found a handful of partners. Uh, now there's one left, and that's Todd Maxwell, who's actually a few feet from me right now. But uh, uh, we opened Lincoln's Beard. We opened Lincoln's Beard. We had no idea what we were doing. None of us had bar experience whatsoever. Todd had a little bit of F&B experience um, and a lot of uh, CFO experience in the hospitality world, which certainly helped. But it worked. It worked. Uh, frankly, it, it blew up right off the beginning uh, because we teamed up. This is, sounds like a shameless plug, but teamed up with David here and, and Philip, uh, who run Beyond the Agency, fantastic agency. Obviously, they've grown um, fantastically since then. Um, but, you know, we were, we were both kind of brand new in the industries. Um, and um, we did some really, really amazing things. Well, you did some really, really amazing things on our behalf. And it was really, really just launched. It was, it was crazy. We couldn't handle it. That kept going for a couple few years and eventually had some partner issues. Todd and I left there, went to start Strange Beast, um, got into food games. So brew pub out there, pizzeria, started making some Neapolitan style pizzas. Really big success. Very tiny concept. Um, awesome. Awesome concept. David uh, did, did the initial branding for that as well. Or you, I should say, did the initial branding for that as well. Um, also, uh, the folks from Freaks Design, who you may or may not have talked about or two on this podcast you should if you haven't definitely gonna bring them on yeah soon. yeah they're they're just a, a couple a couple ladies that are just incredibly kind of stupidly talented so then we um said screw it let's do it again well we went back and bought out lincoln's beard key point then we said screw it let's do it again and we we started building out the spot we're sitting in now COVID and, and multiple other things slowed that down but today is actually the opening day so um really really nailed this podcast time um inadvertently so uh, that's that kind of sits where we are now, and um, it, it's really nice. I wake up every day, and yeah, there's fires, and sometimes I wake up at 3 a.m. to go try to unfuck coal rooms and, and whatnot, but um, everyone's got a common goal. We're creating things. We're making people happy, and outside of the common goal thing, I really never had that in the government. The, the closest thing as far as mentality and camaraderie goes is the time I spent in Korea and, frankly, the time I spent in Iraq. Um, we just had a clear mission, a clear goal. And that, that's kind of where we're at now. You know, we're sitting in Maxwell Brothers, which is our, our latest concept and probably our second to last concept, um, which is based on Todd's family and, and about 150 years of what they did in Ohio. And that's, uh, that's kind of the rundown of, uh, of me and, and, and my professional life. Yeah, man. Cool. We'll get back into some of these concepts, but I want to get back to the point you made about creating mm-hmm. and really... I think everyone has a different definition of creativity. So if there's, you know, a couple sentences or, or a thought that you have as to what you define as creativity, what would that yeah. be? Yeah. I, I, if I had to write a dictionary, um, creative creativity would be, I think, the guiding force behind the purpose of life. And I, I know that sounds that, – that would be my definition because um, I, I – have ultimately after 40 years of life come to the conclusion that the only purpose you have here is to, you know, and this is uh, kind of a butchered quote from Steve Jobs, who I don't necessarily respect as a, or like as a person, but certainly respect the things he did and, and said, some of them. But he said uh, the purpose of life was to create great things and put them back into the path of human consciousness, um, which is a very selfish, selfless thing from a very selfish person. But it's really, it's really true, I, I think. Um, that's really – the whole concept of the purpose of life being to reproduce does not exist amongst humans. There are way too many of us, so that's gone, right? Mm-hmm. We could skip a couple of generations, probably still be fine, or maybe a generation or two. So to me, it's just to improve what we have, right? Um, and that's why I feel I was personally never, never fulfilled – sitting behind answering emails because there's no, that offers nothing to human consciousness. That does not improve the lives or improve anything in this country or other countries or in humanity. So 
to me, cre- uh, creating things is that purpose in life. And you need to apply that to all aspects. And that's my, what I try to make my guiding principle. Um, and of course, the force behind that is creativity. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Uh, something interesting about like the creative process that I experience, I think everyone experiences, but I th- I'm interested in seeing your perspective from coming from a government job, military specific, to then kind of having an open sandbox, so to speak, of I get to do whatever I want. I get to create whatever I want. How did you manage that shift of like structured versus loose? Uh, and, and, you know, how how much because there's a certain point where you can enter an open space and have all the room to play. But at some point you start building walls or putting some structures and guidelines to to kind of guide where you're going. How do you approach that from when you made yeah. that shift? Yeah, to be honest, I I wish I could say it was a shift, but I didn't. I, I'd like to say I did well and performed fairly well within that government world. Um, but I, I, I was a fish out of water in it. I never felt comfortable. Frankly, I got in trouble a, a few times for kind of bypassing some bureaucracy. Um, never any bad trouble, but I was under investigation for, for a couple things on government spending, but it was always for good things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, those investigations turned out uh, to be fine. But... Um, Needless to say, I always kind of operated with like as open of a sandbox as I could, but um, but making so making this transition was essentially you know taking taking you know the handcuffs off. I felt, um, but one thing I will say is when you open a business, you know we just like you do you to a certain to an extreme uh, um, extent, and certainly Nick as well in the uh, world you're in. But you need to create to live. So having uh, that's the one thing that was tough was <clears throat> I have to wake up and I could be in a bad mood. I could be, you know, operating close to the bottom of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And all of a sudden I got to come up with some fantastic idea for an event or fantastic beer recipe or some fantastic pizza recipe, um, which obviously I'm, I say I have to come up with, of course, I have a huge team, but, you know, I have to um, organize and, and, and talk to them. And that is really tough for me. Hmm. So frankly, I just don't do it. If I, if I'm, you know, we've gone a month or two, a couple months without events in the past and whatnot, and I just didn't feel motivated, you know? So in those times I try to try to get out of that same mindset I had in the government where you're kind of depressed and in a funk. And so I guess that's really not the answer to the question, but the answer to the question is I felt like it wasn't too big of a transition. I always tried to op- uh, operate in that open sandbox in my personal life. And, um, so I felt it wasn't it wasn't too big one to be honest. Do you have like an, an ideal environment for you to get creative or for you to ha- open your mind to be able to think or brainstorm things? Like, is it yeah. going on vacation, going for a walk? Is there anything like that? Sure. Yeah. I, there's two environments in which I feel my, uh, my creativity opens up. One is when I can mentally disconnect my brain, and I, so I'm doing an incredibly repetitive task that I feel keeps my my um, animal brain. Whether it's walking, riding my bicycle, a huge one, um, or, you know, used to going for a jog when my feet and knees didn't, weren't terrible, but, um, or something like that, just a monotonous task, washing dishes, whatever. Um, used to be brewing too, whenever I home brewed, that, that was a big part. So th- that, things will come to me then. The other one is my favorite version, which is surrounding myself with creative people, imbibing in the fruits of the land of whatever they may be, and, loosening up and uh creating you know or, or, or enjoying creativity and, and brainstorming with creative people um that to me is certainly the most effective and i know you know david you and i have had a lot of great meetings like that um me you and others and and that is what i find the absolute best environments to surround myself with you know with those people that 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 need to create for a living also yep. yeah yeah I think something now to touch base back on the concepts um, was when we were working on Lincoln's beard at the beginning, I remember, and I'm paraphrasing this, you mentioned that if our marketing got you arrested, that you liked it. I'm not sure what the final quote was, but it was something (laughs) along those lines. And that kind of like enabled us to get really outside of the box and and get as creative and and ended up going with the route of weird. You know, the whole weird, the beard thing was fun and it, and it, opened up the, this slew of ideas that we were able to push forward. Um, 
how did you navigate like when we came to you with that concept like what was your initial thought to to how to you know implement that to your brand and and then how to manifest that in the actual location and how you know you run it day to day yeah i mean the thought was i absolutely loved it i don't think we changed it at all or any concept of it that i could remember maybe a font or something down the line but um I loved it. I felt like it spoke exactly what I, I wanted as a brand, you know, and, and you guys knew that. I mean, you guys are talented dudes, but um, so that to me was, was awesome. And, and if anything, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like it, the brand didn't really have an identity then, you know, it was just kind of this, at the time, a very cliche spot with kind of monotone walls and no, no we had little to no artwork. There was little to no murals. Actually, no murals. We had, you know, the quintessential lighting fixtures, the quintessential um, wall with, uh, um, what is that called, pallets and all that stuff, right? Now it looks totally different. There's still some aspects of that sit sticking around. But um, so what that did to me was wake me up and I think wake the staff up on, oh, oh shit, okay, this is us. That is us. So now we have a guiding principle that you guys provided to us that we were able to drive the brand behind from every mural to every event to every font, to every, and of course, obviously you were doing even the day-to-day shit back then um, to every post, you know? So uh, that's what was liberating to me. And that, that's, that's what, and whenever I talk to someone, you know, proper marketing, as you know, is not cheap, right? And I mean, anyone can get a, a logo on Fiverr, right? Yeah. Which is probably gonna be trash. But for example, I've sat down with, with David um, multiple times to discuss logo design and whatnot. And it's not just, hey, David, I want a logo with like an M, but, you know, kind of looking like a tree. Like, it's not like that. You know, David, you know, uh, sits down and says, all right, what animal do you describe yourself as? You know, and then these, these are the kind of things that, that ultimately they are defining. And, and that's my outlook on marketing, you know, which probably when I started you guys was like, hey, let's print flyers and hand them out. <laughs> but it's totally changed. Really, marketing, you know, branding is really a much better word because now – you know, what it does is it gives the individual a guiding principle for them to make decisions on. And that is so damn critical and so vital. Yeah. Um, so to, to me, it was less of an adaptation of that and just finally a clarification, I guess, is probably the best term. Yeah, I think the next phase I wanted to get into is collaboration and how like creativity through collaboration is really important. But touching back on that, like the point that we came up with, which was coming up with this guiding principle outside of just what your colors are going to be, what your font's going to be was important from the standpoint that you don't want just something that's tactical. You want something that can have legs and you want something that's going to be able to spur more creative ideas, not just die after that one, you know, kind of gimmick. So that's always like a big layer. And that's why we bust our brains over trying to come up with something that's, that has legs. It's, it's hard. Like if it sticks one time, that's fine, but it needs to stick 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 times. So that's just a, an interesting part of it. And then there's also fatigue, which is where I feel like collaboration is important. Like I thought that when you came to me with Strange Beast, that I immediately thought of the, the girls from Freaks Design because I felt that the aesthetic, the look and feel, everything was aligned. And then it led to this and that they helped you with, with Maxwell's. And I think collaboration and, and like empowering other creatives is part of that. How do you feel about you know that concept and how have you navigated the different collaborations you've done with artists and uh brewers yeah what you just said is so spot on you know and that reminds you of of one of the most important things i think you ever told me that you and philip told me which was the difference between a story and a narrative and i might be butchering this this vernacular here but um story is a hey you know listen i'm from i'm from uh uh, miami and i started homebrewing my garage and now i'm here thank you for enjoying my beer there's an end to that. It's finite. It's it's boring. And frankly, other than, a, oh, that's cool. No one really gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, versus a narrative, which is the beginning of a story. And essentially, and, and you could probably describe this a lot better, but just as, as someone who's worked with you, how I, rem- how I remember taking what you told me was, it's something that people can actually subscribe to. They, they can jump into that story, if you will, into that narrative. Um, and that was like a absolute absolutely mind-blowing to me you know like forget about the story let's start focusing on that narrative and, and that to me is what really really drove that home 
but wow, I just lost track of, of the question. What was the question? It was <laughs> mostly it was mostly about how have you navigated collaborations with different partners, whether it's oh, an artist, yeah, yeah. an agency, uh, a brewer. Sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. We do tons of collaborations. You know, we. Uh, it's so important, and, and what I found before I got in, what I found out how I thought we were going to navigate these things is, you know, we were all sitting in this smoky room, you know, obviously on my mind back then was only brewery collaboration. We'd sit in a smoky room and we'd come up with a recipe together and all this. Um, and that what I found is at least with brewery collaborations, is it's not necessarily that what it is, is both individuals or both organizations, they show up and they bring what they are good at. It's more, it's less of, Hey, let's all get together and be this one cohesive army unit. And it's more of like Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings. Like we're all going to show up. Hey, dude, I'm the short dude with an axe and I'm really strong. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, dude, I'm the elf and I have this chain mail. Like, so we're all going to bring what we're really good at. And in the end, everyone walks away from that collaboration. If you did it properly, knowing a little bit more about what they do, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I do a, a let's say I do, a, which is coming soon. We do a pizza collaboration with, with Jay with Tacos and Tattoos. Um, and he shows us, let's just say, how he cooks his carnitas and this technique that we've never seen or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, every time we shred you know, uh, roasted meat in the future, we're probably going to utilize a little bit of that technique. Same way, you know, Doug over here, who's, who's our, our head chef and he's at the bar over there, he, um, he may, may um, show them, you know, these tortilla guys, hey, you know, this is how we, we bake off some bread. These are some methods we do. These are some methods where, you know, because obviously we're baking leavened bread versus versus tortillas. These are some things we do that may introduce them. Fuck, they might rock a torta next time and, and use that technique. So, yeah. and in beer, that's huge. Creativity, that's huge. You know, so that to me um, has, is my, my mindset for collaborations. Uh, but that only works if everyone involved is not protected. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, and um, which I, I really have never run into that to protect if. If I ever ask someone about one of their beers and they go, uh uh-uh, it's a secret, I just don't collaborate with those people, to be honest with you. It's just too much work. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm more on the side of, yeah, I don't, I want partners that are going to be transparent and authentic and bring their full true selves to the table when it comes to creativity. Because if not, then, you know, you're just going to keep running into brick walls with that. But you're exactly right. um, Moving on, like, actually, before we move on to some, like, lessons you've learned, I I wanted to touch base back on, like, the extension of the brand and the creativity, which was like the events. The events were really a big thing and are still a big thing at Lincoln's Beard. Obviously, this year the pandemic has shifted things and we'll touch base on that. But uh, the idea of bringing events that actually manifested the weird at the beard was probably some of the funnest times we had. Like, I think one of the biggest ones so people who are listening and don't have any fucking idea of what it was, it's like, the uh, Don't Be Jelly Fest is probably up there where <laughs> we would bring all the other breweries to come and eat, have a peanut butter and jelly eating competition, come dress in full wrestling garb and be announced and come introduce with music and everything and the entire crowd. Um, how did you, I mean, obviously it was a collaboration there, but like talk a little bit more about those events and how that kind of brought to life the Weird at the Beard environment. Yeah, that, God, is that fun. Um, or was fun, will be fun, will be fun. Let's go to the future. Yeah, I, I, you know, events are our bread and butter. You know, that's why it's been, for, I think it's beer. That's why it's been so difficult through this whole COVID thing for us to get, stay motivated about Lincoln's Beard. Um, but yeah, you know, we have four main events every every year. We have uh, the crawfish boil, which is kind of is what it is. You know, we, we make a lot of crawfish and, and folks eat it and it's awesome. We have our anniversary, which kind of is what it is, which uh, is we, we tend to call it Swayze Palooza, which is which is um, always a fun event, but it's kind of beer centric. But the two events that I think really codify um, or really exemplify, excuse me, Weird at the Beard are absolutely pre Noche Buena, which is like if you if you walk into um, Rest in Peace Santa Sachana Forest and you're like, man, shit is weird here. Like, look at off-brand Mickey Mouse dressed as Santa. What the hell? <laughs> Imagine that, but done really well and intentionally with a lot of booze and great food and great partners and great marketing. And Martha of Miami, who's insane and I love her, uh, driving the whole train. 
amazing. Yeah. And it is just, it's great. Last time we had a drunk Santa, sorry, a drunk Abraham Lincoln and a Santa dancing around, doing a dance fight. It's just, it's crazy. We had a donkey one year. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, we had snowed in there. It's just nuts. Um, and unfortunately, we were actually planning it for this year, but then canceled with the COVID spike. But the other one, which is probably, sir, I don't know, I probably like Noche Buena is probably my favorite event just because I can kind of relax a little bit. Whereas um, PB&J Fest, uh, I'm a host, but it's by far the best food and beverage industry event down here. Uh, certainly the w- biggest one. Um, and uh, as far as not, not, I'm not talking about some food festival. I can give a shit about that. It's great and all that. But I'm talking about just where we could actually get together and serve ourselves, not someone else, and just have fun. Yeah. And it's wild, man. It's it's wild. And it's so exemplifies the brand. It's incredibly transparent. Everyone's bashing each other. At the heart of it, it's a peanut butter and jelly eating contest. But frankly, no one really cares about the peanut butter and jelly eating contest. Yeah. It has great branding that's done by David here every single year. He, uh, we, we, he hops on. David tends to hop on for a couple things, PB&J Fest and for Noche Buena. But, um, and everyone dresses as essentially wrestlers uh, or weird characters. And everyone's in character the whole time, to include myself and Alex Vire, the host. And we have videography every year uh, done by Waco and, uh, from Sunstruck Studios, who's incredible. And it's, it's just really, it's taken very, very seriously. But at the same time, it's intentionally a joke. It's really hard yeah. to explain. Um, I guess the closest thing would be professional wrestling. You know, it, it, it's, it's just wild. It's yeah. just wild. And it really exemplifies exactly what you said, that weird at the beard, you know, which has always been just kind of, hey, come as you are. Um, really come as you are, no matter. You could be a homeless guy. Like we've had homeless dudes come in there and we've had congress, congressmen and congresswomen come in there mm-hmm. and celebrities. So it's, and, and, you know, no one gets preferential treatment. But um, that really exemplifies kind of who we are. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I mean, the entire mantra, or at least the guiding light, was always about Lincoln's beard is that weird friend who's as comforting as family. And yes. so it always had to kind of tie back to that. And we just wanted to create an environment where as people walked in, they felt like they could let their hair down and be as weird and peculiar and, you know, their true selves again. Mm-hmm. So that, that definitely helped out. But moving forward to the next part which is more about like the lessons you've learned from this industry we'll talk about covid in a minute because there's a bunch of lessons learned this year but what have you learned in the past five years of doing this that um you feel is like maybe you would tell yourself five years ago you wish you would have told yourself or 10 years ago so the number one thing by far not even close if you had asked me this a year and a half i probably would have had a different answer but damn if, if i would have been wrong is patience. You need to have patience. If you introduce a new food item and it doesn't sell well the first week, give it another six weeks. If you have an event and it doesn't do well, did you do it right? If you did it right and you believed it in heart and it really matched your brand, do it again. Keep doing it. Um, have patience and stay within your value structure and stay creative and things will work out. I feel like that applies to just about any business, but, um, yeah. So, you know, if you, if you, yeah, just have patience, just wait and, and let things play out. That's one thing I'll say. We, we as business owners and, and, and as, as you know, my staff here, my leadership, they, we, we tend, we monitor everything every single day. We look at data, we know that. So it's very easy for us to not be patient. But, you know, if you think about, if you think about from the customer's perspective, think about your favorite restaurant, like, oh, I could sit here and say, you know, say uh, Lanyai, right? Lanyai and, and um, Little Havana there, which is, is one of my favorite restaurants. It's my favorite restaurant. I'm certainly not a regular there, but I'd probably go like once every three months. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you look at it from the customer's perspective, hell, if that's not a lot of patience, you know. So that's certainly the, the, the first thing. Um, the second thing is kind of tied to that, but it's just be genuine. And stay within your structure. Do, you know, if you don't want to have chicken wings at your pizzeria, don't have fucking chicken wings. I don't care if everyone says you need chicken wings. I don't care if everyone in your staff says we want to have chicken wings. In that case, maybe you try it. But, you know, just be, just be genuine. That's what anyone wants, you know. Why do you think everyone hates politicians? Because they never come off as genuine. Probably because they never are genuine. But, 
Um, just be, you know, that's what we need. That's all anyone wants. Every, you know, the reason you go to Cracker Barrel, and even though they have all this kitschy shit around and it looks really fun and funky and has and it has a bunch of uh, and has a bunch of, of, of character, you leave there still feeling like it was corporate. You do that because we have this sixth sense where we can we can tell we are much better than we think we are at telling what shit is fake and what shit is real. Yeah. And as a business partner, you need to understand that. You need to understand that, and you need to frankly leverage that yeah would if there's someone that's interested in opening a brewery or an F&B concept on at the local level what would you tell them because I've had you know certain people reach out to me you know in the initial phases and, and I'm realizing really quick as I'm talking to them that they just kind of have an idea and they haven't even like fleshed out the business side of it so I feel like they would benefit from hearing from someone like you as to like you know, they have to start looking down the line as to cool. You have a cool concept. You have this idea of what you want to do. You're going to brew these beers and then you might bring people in for the first day, but how are you going to bring them back? Yeah. And that's really it. Like you start the race. It's easier than ever to start a business and start a brand. The The bar has lowered and barrier to entry is lowered, but maintaining and scaling a business is probably harder than ever because of the competition level. Yeah. So yeah. what would you tell people that are looking to get into it? Not to scare them away, but to give sure. them something to anchor them. So that they can actually have a, a methodical kind of like well thought out approach to starting a business. Yeah, I, I feel like most people probably say, "Don't do it," right? No, I, I absolutely say I would say do it. Um, but before I, I say that, uh, you, you know, first thing I would tell them is, you know, the whole comment of "do what you love" is only is only um, half of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, do what you love as long as it's only a third of it, rather. I always say, do what you love as long as there's a market for it mm-hmm. and as long as you're good at it, yep. Frank. I mean, you have to be honest with yourself, right? I mean, I enjoy playing guitar and I've been playing for like 20 years. I'm terrible, yep. right? I could go start a band and yes, maybe I could find a market for that, but I'm terrible, right? So um, frankly, I'm, I'm a decent cook, but I'm certainly nowhere near as, these guys behind, as good as these guys behind me. So um, make sure you're good at it. Make sure there's a market for it. Find yourself someone, hell, call me. But find yourself someone that's going to be honest with you, right? If Nick came to me with an idea and he's like, hey, I'm going to make these custom T-shirts, you know, and, and, and they were terrible T-shirts, I want to be like, yeah, you go for that, buddy. No, I would say, like, dude, these T-shirts are terrible, right? You know, you have to, be, have to have someone that's going to be honest with you. And the last thing I'll say is, you got, just like you said, David, you got to flesh your idea out. Mm-hmm. Um, the best method I've found, to be completely frank, is... I find a day when my wife and kids are maybe at my in-laws or whatever, and I'm by myself. I get away from my phone, and I, pro- I have generally like four or five whiskeys, and I keep the glass wet, and I sit down, and I write everything into a Word document. Literally, I don't stop. I don't care about punctuation. I don't care. I just, just, just write everything down. Everything about that business or what you want to do, just write it all down. Last time I did this, it was nine pages of writing. That was Strange Beast, right? Um, then take a few days, sit down sober and edit it. And you just have your narrative for your business plan. Add financials. And now you have a quality, quality business plan. Take that business plan. Again, find someone in the industry that knows what they're doing. And ask. don't ask them what they think. Ask them, if they had money, would they invest in this? And why and why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to give you, they're going to give you a, hopefully a, a proper answer. So you got to flesh your idea out. You got to be honest with yourself whether you're good at it or not. Those are the big things. That being said, food and beverage is the best industry I've ever worked in. I, I did a little bit of construction when I was young. Obviously, I was in the government for many years. Um, food and beverage is incredible. The camaraderie in this industry is incredible. It's incredible. And um, it's a lot of hard work. But any job done right is a lot of hard work. So, uh, and, you know, none of us are morning people, which is nice. So, yeah. So, and then kind of cap off the whole like lessons learned. I think it's tough to not talk about this year and, and the lessons and, and like the trials and tribulations that we're all going through, uh, through the pandemic, what has been, and I feel like everyone's had like their own, like going into a cave and kind of like thinking things through. You have had more time to be at home, more time to be around family. Uh, what have you learned that you didn't know about yourself that you didn't know about your business that, um, you felt or like how has the constraints also helped you creatively you know yeah wow 
that, that that's a tough question. I, I I don't know if it has helped me creatively, I, except for forced creativity. Yeah. Holy shit, we could only do takeout. Let's figure out how to make this kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially eliminated the guest experience, which is our bread and butter. Um, luckily, for two reasons, these are probably the the the, the two things or the one thing I learned or, or happy for. There's one thing I learned and one thing I'm happy for. One thing I've learned is, you know, luckily having to-go beer and having a product like pizza, which is just kind of inherently a good takeout and to-go product, we lucked out. Um, But the other thing that I'm very happy for is that we have always, 100%, our focus has always been on people within five miles of our location. That's our regulars. That's it. If you live in that neighborhood, you're our focus. Um, If you drive 30 miles to get some beer because it's some special beer, that's great. I'm glad you do. And we really, really appreciate that. But you're not our focus. Mm -hmm. And that ladder, those people I just mentioned there that might drive or whatever, maybe they're in for the hype or whatever. They they were very supportive during this. But really, who kept our doors open was 100% the people five, five miles from our location. And they spent a lot of money on us. And they helped out our staff a tremendous amount. And... To me, that I will be forever, forever indebted to them. And um, I'm glad that's always been our focus. And it's just concreted that that will always be our focus as long as these spots are open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the concepts, because actually someone that is a mutual friend, also like he does a bunch of things. You know, Carlos Escania, yeah. he, you know, he's a musician. One he, of the best guys I know. Yeah, he's a mental awesome health dude. counselor. Uh, I've actually consulted with him. And um, throughout the research phase, I, I came across this term called post-traumatic growth which is the opposite of like post-traumatic stress or stress disorder. And I, I thought like that's an interesting, you know, revelation or like an interesting concept that people don't really talk about, which is through this stress, through these difficult times, there is not just, you know, the, the, the detrimental side, there's actually some people find a way to get growth and clarity. Have you had any of those moments throughout this period where you just felt like, holy fuck, like, yeah. wow, I'm grateful for this or holy fuck, Six months ago, I was thinking this, and now I'm here, and I'm in a better spot. Yeah. Humility, that's for sure. You know, um, absolutely, dude. I mean, that's great. I mean, for one, you know, we got a quarter million people dying, you know, that have died. We uh, we might have more. This is just the United States, of course. Yep. Right? We're certainly going to have a lot more with that. You know, some folks are saying that's going to double. So just being thankful for life in general is incredible. You know, um, that's been an incredible insight. Um being thankful for my staff who's, who've dealt with this, this shit from the beginning. And, um, that's been awesome. Uh, to, to reiterate, thankful for, for our, our customers and our loyal regulars, you know, that for sure. Um, and I once had, I, I think it was, it might've been either Beltran or Kush that told me the one good thing about this is it's a kind of a reset, but actually might've been Georgie from Barley, but it's kind of a reset button. Those things, say you wanted to change your hours, but you were going to be mad because you thought people were going to get pissed off. This is that one time to do that mm-hmm. and to see what happens and see what shakes out. And you could always just kind of point over at hey, COVID, you know, COVID, mm-hmm. hands up, COVID. Yep. Um, so to me, that has really allowed us to kind of, frankly, do whatever the fuck we want. And we kind of did that before, but not really. But now it has. And it... Um, took a lot of, since we're not throwing these events, it allowed us to focus a lot on operations and tying things in and stuff like that, you know? So, so I could definitely see post-traumatic growth and you have this pent up, this pent up creativity and, 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 you know, and want to, to provide that coming out of this COVID, I think is going to, you know, I think we're going to see certainly our concepts, but see a lot of amazing concepts out there that are just going to pop out of this even stronger. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Before we start wrapping up, uh, I wanted to actually touch base on that, like the concepts and the industry itself. Like, are there any trends or any interesting things that you're seeing coming down the pipeline as a result of all this? Like, is there anything that um, that you feel like as a result of all this is you're going to see this shift, this kind of innovation or like this new world of uh, within the industry of food and beverage? I, I, I no, I know that's a weird statement. I, I, you know, a lot of my, my counterparts are like, oh, you know, there's going to be a big focus on, on takeout. There's going to be, you know, things are never going to be the same and, and all that. And so, you know, we're going to shift to this or shift. I think that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. I think we're yearning for the same. And I think we will absolutely get that. You know, we, I mean, there's an incredibly 
yes, it kills less than 1% of people, but it's damn deadly. And um, a lot of folks don't necessarily, not that we don't care, but we kind of turn a blind eye to that. Just we're, we're willing to potentially get sick just because we want normal back. We want same back. So um, once we get on the other side of this COVID, I think it's going to come right back. So I am frankly not going to change my operations at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't really think there's – now the one thing I will say, unfortunately, is a lot of, a lot of places are closing down. You know, a lot of places are closing down. A lot of places are getting beat up. We might see some shifts on the corporate side, um, consolidation stuff, which we're already seeing. So we might see that on the back end of this. Just like we had a reset. Now they could look at their shareholders and be like, yeah, you know, we're going to consolidate. We're going to shrink. You know, we might claim claim uh, bankruptcy, you know, to restructure because, hey, COVID. You know, so we might see them taking advantage of that, the corporate folks, not that we care about those. But, um I, I think for local spots, you're just going to see a lot of everyone kind of going back to normal, you know, going back to normal. Everyone's cash flow is, unless you're to-go business, everyone's cash flow has been crushed. Tough. So we'll probably not see much growth on the back end of this for, for a short period of time. But I, don't, I think we're, we're going to kind of go back to how we were, frankly. There, there's going to be a huge governmental focus on um, pandemics, that's for sure, as yeah. there should be, mm-hmm. uh, as there should have been also. But... Um, yeah, I think for F&B, we'll go back to the same. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up, you know, what's next for you? You're definitely, today's actually the first soft opening day yeah. for Maxwell's. Um, I don't know if you have any plans beyond Maxwell or anything, any projects you're working on that you want to share? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I think there's probably three projects in some way, shape, or form that we're working on. For the next year or so, I'm just going to enjoy what we have done frankly um try to enjoy these spots uh try to 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 um create a, a growth potential for my staff make sure they're taken care of obviously their cash flow has been crushed as well so get healthy again for this next year um the next concept that we've ready uh, inked the lease on is going to be ludlam which is going to be part of the ludlam trail we're going to be the first uh bar concept on that we're going to have a pizzeria there as well we're going full liquor that'll be our first soiree into that which we're very excited about. That is probably going to be called the Thorn, which is going to be a really fun thing. And you'll probably be working on that if you're willing. That was first mentioned. But uh, um, the other two things that are just concepts, um, creative concepts right now. One, I really want to do a dive bar at some point in time. Full liquor, hole-in-the-wall dive bar with a woman's name. Um because I think dive bars are inherently masculine, and I think it'd be really, really fun to have a, a dive bar with a woman's name. Uh, two, I know it sounds random, but that's just how my brain works. Two, uh, or the second concept is cannabis. I want to get into the cannabis arena. Um, Florida has not been very friendly to small businesses. It, to, to not be very friendly is an understatement. They, if you're not big and incredibly wealthy in a large company, they, you're not going to be in cannabis in Florida, and it's horse shit. But um, once it is federally decriminalized and we can reach around the country and once it is legal here in the state of Florida, which will certainly happen no later than 2022, when it will be on the ballot, probably. Um, I want to get into that. Uh, I wanted to get into, uh, yeah. And I have some concepts there that, are, that I'm already kind of working on doing some research on. So that'll, that'll probably be after Thorn. So that's where we're at now, man. Nice. What yeah. about life goals outside of work? Oh, shit. Retire. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Buy, buy a small cabin in Montana and escape. Yeah. So, sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I'll invite you boys out there. Nick, we'll bring our guns, man. Yeah. Uh, any any uh, books or, or shows you've been watching recently that you feel like uh, you want to share that mm. is worth watching or reading? Yeah, dude. So, what am I, I, I? I love having read books, but I hate reading books. I know it's bad. So, I, I tend to focus on audiobooks. Um, Revisionist History is a podcast by um oh geez he's my favorite author and i forgot his name that's how much i hate reading <laughs> help me out nick outliers malcolm gladwell. gladwell malcolm gladwell jesus so malcolm gladwell's um latest podcast revisionist history is, is a fantastic I, I encourage everyone to listen to it that's one thing i've been listening to um shows i've been watching queen's gambit which is kind of boring um uh, frank i know it's i just feel like the character she's trying to portray is it's very hard for her to portray even though she's a great actress but Obviously, I'm, 
Yeah, she's Miami girl. I know. It's awesome. Yep. She's freaking great. But um, Mandalorian, of course, like most other humans catching that. That's uh, it's okay. It's, I think it could be better, but it's been pretty good. What the hell is my... Oh, oh dude. Best thing I've watched recently is We Are the Champions. The cheese rolling, the pepper eating. Oh, wow, It's yeah. amazing. That's what I want to do, actually, that. to answer your previous question. I want to rent a car. Not rent a car. Take my car. Drive around the country going to obscure championships that's what i want to do <laughs> that's like to be really fun um and i know that you have a podcast yourself um that you've been running i don't know if you want to plug that so that people sure. can follow you give them a little background on it yeah yeah it is in no way um as professionally done as anything that david has here or anything nick works on over there but it's fun and it's a great way for me to keep up with an old buddy that i was in uh, uh intelligence with it is called redacted gentleman um, and we discuss everything from aliens to hot dogs. So uh, Nick and I were just talking about this earlier. So um, we're probably going to do a, a small Instagram follow-up to our last sandwich episode. Our hot, is a hot dog a sandwich episode, which just dropped um, to clarify some things through popular demand. But, um, yeah, that's it. Redacted Gentlemen. It's on Spotify. It might be on Apple. I don't know. But it's uh, we are on Instagram while it's Yeah. Is there anywhere that you'd like people to follow you or any of your concepts? Yeah, man. Um, all our content. So I'm Falco Hates Money on Instagram. Uh, check me out. If you have any questions or opening restaurant or that, I'm, I'm an open book and I, I love talking to people. Um, also, Lincoln's Beard Brewing on Instagram. Maxwell Bros Beer, B-R-O-S Beer on Instagram. And Strange Beast Beer on Instagram. Those are all three we have right now um, and we'll have for a while. So that's where we're at, man. Awesome. Yeah, that wraps it up, man. David, appreciate the time, dude. Thank you, Nick, for helping out. Petey, as always, Petey here. (laughs) The dog is the real hero. The real MVP. (laughs) Cheers. Salute.